All right, there you are. Here I am, it's Paul Gilbert, Pastor Paul. I'm here from the home office at Four Oaks Church. It is a bright Monday morning. Ooh, look at that, May the 2nd, 2022. So glad you've joined us. This is called Romans Rewind, where we take 10 or 15 minutes every weekday morning, where we're running concurrently with our sermon series, preaching series of the book of Romans. And we're taking portions of that previous Sunday sermon, and we're unpacking it in a little more detail and looking at it from different angles. And if this is your first time with us, boy, you are jumping off into the deep end because we are smack dab, that's a Tennesseeism smack dab in the middle of Romans chapter nine. So just for a bit of context, Paul's heart is broken and he is, is in great anguish because um, his ethnic brothers, kinsmen in the flesh, the Jewish people have by and large rejected their own Messiah. And what Paul is doing in Romans nine is addressing the charge, has God's word failed? Um, and if it has failed, because he made all these promises to the old covenant people, how can we trust him for his promises to the new covenant people, which is us? And this past Sunday, we got into the meat of Paul's argument about why the word of God has not failed. And so let me reread the passage for us, and then we're going to talk some more about this idea of election or unconditional election. And Take a little deeper dive into that um, this week. All right, here we go. Romans 9, verse 6. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said, about this time next year, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I hated. So what Paul does here in this passage, he takes us further upstream, right? He, he essentially says to this charge of, has the word of God failed? He says, no, because number one, it was never God's intention for someone to be saved just because of their skin color or ethnicity or cultural background. It was always through the promise of a changed heart through faith. So that, that's one of Paul's responses here. But a second response goes more into the heart, purpose, design of God. And Paul is essentially saying, no, the word of God has not failed because God is sovereign over salvation. He's sovereign over election. Um, he has brought life from the loins of Abraham um, in this child of promise, Isaac, which was a miraculous conception. Um, he has brought life to Jacob out of the womb, even though Esau and Jacob um, were both in their lives pretty despicable men. Um, God, by his sovereign choice, rescued um, Isaac, I'm sorry, Jacob, even as he left Esau in his sin. 
So that may raise all sorts of questions for us. And I want to kind of begin at the beginning here to talk about um, why, okay, there, there's many reasons, but why one, one of the reasons why um, this, this particular teaching can land um, hard on us, okay? This idea that, that God saved Jacob, could have saved Esau, but, but didn't. And, and we're going to get into the fairness part of that this coming, this coming weekend um, in Romans 9. But this morning, I want us to think about this idea of, of why it is that we cannot come to know Christ apart from God's saving, intervening work. Um, see, there, there, there's, for, in some theological traditions, um, there's an acknowledgement that sin has certainly distorted the image of God, clouded our judgment, uh, infected our thoughts, but not to the extent that we cannot freely choose Christ on our own. Um, that yes, we're, 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 we're sinful, yes, we're full of sin, but not so full of sin that we cannot recognize the beauty of Christ, our need for Christ, our sin, and then turn to him of our own volition. And I think when we, when we take that sort of line of thinking, we are vastly overestimating our ability, okay? And we need to be thinking about what the Bible says about our condition in its natural state, okay? So there's a couple of passages, there's many, but let's go to a couple this morning. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, which many of you are undoubtedly familiar with. And this, Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians Ephesians 2 is very famous for Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. But we want to read what comes before it to understand the very precarious position we are in as human beings when it comes to discerning spiritual realities. Okay, let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 1. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So one of the things Ephesians 2 tells us here is that we were not born into a position of neutrality. Um, we are not um, some days for the things of God and some days against the things of God. Um, we're not merely sick, but we in fact are dead. We are um, in a sense entombed in sin. And we think about how is it that a dead person can rouse themselves? Obviously, um, the answer is that it takes something from outside that person to rouse a dead man, right? So this is not a great, perfect analogy, but someone who's in cardiac arrest and their heart has stopped beating. And um, you essentially could say they have quote unquote died, but sometimes they can be resuscitated, right? From the outside by medical personnel and they are in a hence brought back to life, brought back from the dead not a perfect analogy, but in a sense, that's everyone's spiritual condition. We are all born into sin. We are all dead to sin. 
It doesn't mean that we can't make certain moral choices because the law of God is written on our hearts. But what it does mean is that when it comes to the things of God, okay, um, spiritual realities, our hearts are hardened and blinded. All right. So there's there's a couple passages, other passages we could go to on this. Flip over to 1 Corinthians. And you know, the reference is slipping my mind, but it's it is First Corinthians two, I believe. Oh, here we go. Yes, first, first, first Philip. I'm sorry, First Corinthians two. All right. Um, let's actually start in verse eight um, to get us a running start. Or verse six to get us a running start into this. So Paul's talking to the people in the church in Corinth. The, those who are he's talking about the difference between natural man and spiritual man, okay? Verse six, 1 Corinthians two, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God prepared for those who love him. Now listen, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now, here's the part about natural man. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So do you see what Paul's doing here? He's saying natural man, which is all of us, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. We cannot. They are folly to us. Our hearts are hardened. Our eyes are blinded. So how does a natural man come to see the things of the spiritual world or of Christ? Well, Paul tells us, right? Look back down in verse 13. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And we see there, don't we, that same echo of what Jesus says that we looked at on Sunday. John 3, a man cannot be born again unless the Spirit of Christ awakens his heart and the Spirit blows where it may. So we can't, how can we faith, have faith in Christ or discern spiritual realities unless the, unless the Holy Spirit first opens our eyes to these things. And so this is what Paul is getting at when he's saying all our default position is not neutral. All for all of us our default position is we are sinners hardened by sin, blinded by spiritual to spiritual realities, completely and wholly dependent upon the divine supernatural initiative of God to open the eyes of our heart, okay? One picture in the Old Testament where we see this, all right? And this will require you to do a little Bible drill. Ezekiel chapter 37. And again, there's a prophecy here. 
And it's a prophecy, it's a very famous prophecy about dry bones, okay? And so now the dry bones symbolize the dead hearts of the people of Israel. Look at Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Okay. And I answered him, O Lord, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So here, once again, we see that there's a valley of dry bones. This is humanity. This is the nation of Israel. This is us. These are our unbelieving neighbors. This is us in our natural condition. How will these bones live? Okay, it doesn't come through a fancy evangelistic presentation. It doesn't come through trickery. It doesn't come through persuasiveness. It comes through the sovereign work of the Spirit of God who gives life to these bones. Now, there's so many implications from this, right? Um, but I wanted just this Monday morning to kind of introduce us to this idea of our true spiritual condition apart from Christ and this spirit, which um, as, we, as we continue to unpack this this week, what, what, what difference does it make in our life today to know that without the spirit, you can't do anything? The fact that you want to pray for someone, the fact that you want to share with someone, the fact that you are seeking God is all a divine supernatural act initiated by the spirit. It also means that we cannot save people. We cannot save our kids, our spouses, our family members, our friends. Only the sovereign work can do that, which of God, Christ can do that, which is why we call out to him, right? We call out to him who is the only one, right, who can give life to these bones and to our bones. All right, let's pray. Lord, we pray that as we, um, we can just swallow our pride and have a dose of gospel humility to be reminded who we are apart from you. Lord, let this humble us, let this drive us to prayer, and Lord, we ask these things in your Son's name today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.